You're listening to the Business for Good podcast, the show where you'll hear inspirational stories about companies making money by solving some of the world's most pressing problems. I'm your host, Paul Shapiro, and I'm glad you've joined us. Hello, and welcome to episode number 123 of the Business for Good podcast. Now, of course, the back 122 episodes of the show are all very good. However, if you're new to the show and you don't feel like going and listening to the past 122 episodes and you just want to know more of the most popular ones, you can go to our homepage at businessforgoodpodcast.com and check out what were the biggest fan favorite episodes of all time, as defined by how many downloads these episodes got. So again, if you don't want to listen to all of them, which you definitely should, but if you don't want to do that, at least you can go check out the ones that were the most popular. Now, I think this one is going to be really popular as well because Maxim Segua has a very inspirational story. This guy was on the verge of homelessness, literally, surviving on free meals from his local food bank. After getting laid off from work and having only about $30 in his bank account, Maxim struggled to figure out how he could afford to survive, let alone try to help his partner as she endured her own mentally and financially taxing fight with cancer. The answer, it turned out, was in helping others. A vegan athlete, Maxim knew the secrets of how to lose fat and gain muscle, and he figured he could create a business to sell that coveted information to others. As you'll hear in this interview, Maxim made more than $10,000 that first month of being a virtual food and fitness coach, and has since grown his company, Fit Vegan Coaching, into a seven-figure company, acquiring competitors along the way. Today, Maxim has helped more than a 1,000 people improve their lives through healthy plant-based eating, all while massively improving his own financial well-being at the same time. In this conversation, we talk about his journey and even getting his free advice on how I can get a six-pack. I hope you enjoy this conversation, and maybe you'll want to take advantage of his free 14-day trial that we also link to in the show notes at businessforgoodpodcast.com. Without further ado, I bring you Maxim Segua in this interview. Maxim, welcome to the Business for Good podcast. Really great to have you on. Thank you, Paul. Very excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. It is my pleasure because I follow you on social media, so I get your fitness tips. But you are not the first influencer to come on the show. Normally, we have on guests who are like, you know, CEOs or founders of companies that are you know, selling a food or something else, whereas you're really selling information as an influencer. But you're not the first. Uh, we have on Colleen Patrick-Gaudreau of Joyful Vegan, who makes a good living uh, just through her work online. Uh, my wife, Tony, has been on, and she's been a very popular guest, actually, for how she makes a living through her brand, Plant Based on a Budget. But we're going to hear about a different type of influencer with you today, because what you're doing is, you know, not necessarily selling cookbooks and recipes like Tony and Colleen do, but you do something very different. So first, Maxim, just tell us like, what is Fit Vegan Coaching? And then we're going to get into the backstory too. But like, what is it? If somebody asks you what you do for a living, what do you say? Yeah, so it's a one-stop shop to make this the last transformation that people need to go through. I I built it to be like a five-star resort where everything is taken care of and all you need to do is just like show up and do the activities. That's like a, a simplified version of what we do for people. 
Okay. And so people come to you, I presume, because they want to either lose weight or build muscle or something, and you then provide them with what? Like, this is a business, right? So you're not just yeah. providing free information to people like me who follow you on social media, but people pay you for some service. So they pay you and what do they get? Yeah, for sure. So people come to us for a variety of, of goals. So whether it's losing five pounds, like a shift in body composition up to losing 100 pounds, I think was our biggest transformation to people that had cancer and are coming to us to help like reduce the risk of reoccurrence in the future. So a lot of them, people are going to be health uh, focused. So we, we provide everything. So initially, you know, people come in to get blood work done, to get a consultation with a the doctor. Then from the analysis of the blood work and the results, we're able to tailor a meal plan with our holistic nutritionist. Um, so according to the blood work and according to the goal that they want to reach. So whether that's losing, you know, 20 pounds, 40 pounds, 60 pounds, whatever it may be, from there, we're going to build them a custom training plan that we're going to change every single month to make sure that they don't plateau and they continue to see progress. And then we're going to bring them through the initial phase, which will be phase one, which will be fat loss. So people are coming in for a 20, 30, whatever amount of weight loss. Then we're going to move into phase two, which is called reverse dieting. It's where we're going to speed up our members' metabolism to ensure that the weight doesn't come back on. Because in North America, we don't really have a fat loss problem. It's more of a keeping the weight off problem. So phase two is kind of a, a solution to that. Then we move into a muscle building phase because people are a lot skinnier than they thought <laughs> under all the weight that they wanted to lose. And then the last phase is basically a personal choice. Some people choose to go into performance. So, you know, they want to go into running a 10K, run, doing a triathlon or events like that, or they just want to go for maintenance to maintain what they've been able to accomplish. Now, you're talking, Maxim, about people, quote, coming in. This is all virtual, though, right? You don't have some clinic where people are coming to see you. Anybody anywhere in the world can participate in this, right? Yeah, absolutely. I always forget because I live in the online world, but everything is online. We're in 20 different countries. So regardless of where people are in or time zones, we've been able to support them throughout the years. Okay, so let's talk about how you got into this, because while people cannot see you like I can right now, behind you, you have up something framed that is illustrative of your history. So tell me what that is behind you, and then how you went from there to what you're doing now. Yeah, so I have frame behind me. It's my last piece of paper that I got to go eat at a food bank because there was a time in my life where I had no money for anything. You know, my, my ex-partner was going through breast cancer. So every penny that I made was going towards her treatment, was going towards buying her organic fruits and vegetables and whatever she needed to heal. And so I was eating at the food bank. And then that was the last time that I went there. The food was terrible, I'll be honest, but it, it, it saved me for, for those few months that I was able to be on there. And she was able to get all your organic food and treatment that she needed. But last piece of paper to remind me where, where I came from. And did, how, how did she do? Did she recover? No, she, she got better, but she ended up passing away two and a half years ago, which kind of like propelled me on the trajectory that I'm on today to help people not be in her position ultimately. Yeah, so I'm really sorry to hear that, obviously. How old was she when she passed away? She was 39 when she passed right. away. Yeah, so very terrible, right? You know, very terrible to lose a 39-year-old to cancer. My cousin passed away from cancer at 42, and, you know, it's just, it's it's really devastating so young. You know, to see that happen, especially, you know, when she had her own daughter, and of course, you know, her parents have to, you know, undergo that tragedy of outliving their own offspring, which is, of course, pretty horrible. But how yeah. did that lead to you? Like, the death of your partner at such a young age, you said, this is like how I came to be doing what I'm doing. So, you know, you're eating at a food bank trying to help her. She doesn't make it. 
how does that lead on the trajectory that you're going to start fit vegan coaching? Yeah, for sure. So I started fit vegan coaching maybe like eight months before she passed away. So I was working at a corporate job, came back from the from from a Christmas holiday, and I walk in and I go to log into my stuff and I've been logged out. And then they call me into the conference room and they're like, Hey, we made bad financial decisions and we have to make some cuts and you're the last person hired. I was like, man, I, I have the company car. That's what I used to go to treatments. Like I have my, my partner has cancer. Like I, I need the money to pay for treatments or like it's nothing personal. It's just business. And it, it was a surreal moment because I, they gave me a box and I went to my office and I packed my stuff and I was so depressed inside, but a part of me was excited. I was like, man, this, this is the moment where my life changes. Like I'm packing my stuff. I'm walking out the building. I'm like, this is the pivotal moment in my life where I'm just going to build something crazy out of it. Ultimately, I end up, I come back home and I'm like, hey, like lost my job. And she's like, what are we going to do? I was like, I have no idea what we're going to do. I'm like, well, I got my personal training certification. Let me just go do that because I can make some money right away. So I go to a gym, I get a job, I coach three people, COVID happens. All gyms are shut down. Everything gets shut down. Were you already vegan at this time? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've been vegan for nine years. So it was like, three years, three and a half years ago that I started the business. So I was already vegan for five plus years at that point. What was the catalyst to get you into plant-based eating in the first place? So I used to be a bodybuilder and a powerlifter. So I used to be 240 pounds, just really big. Compared to today, what are you? Yeah, I'm 195. Okay. Wow. Okay. So that's a pretty, pretty massive transformation there. Okay. Sorry. So you were a a bodybuilder, a powerlifter, and were you vegan while doing that? Or you became vegan after that? I wasn't. I was a hardcore meat eater, like a dozen eggs for breakfast, three chicken breasts every two hours for five meals a day, the typical bro bodybuilding type of diet. I did that for three, four years. And then one day I got recruited to do high fashion modeling. An agent saw me and she's like, I see something under those big chubby cheeks because my gym, 240 pounds. She's like, I see something under those big chubby cheeks. Like try losing some weight, see if we can get you to do a photo shoot. I was like, you know what? I was going to do a cut to do a fitness competition. Let me just do the cut. I wasn't vegan still at that point. Got really lean, did a photo shoot, made some money. I made more money that I did in that photo shoot than I did in one month of working at Subway, which is where I was working at the time. And I was like, man, this is great. I get to be in shape and people take photos of me and I make more money than I do working my full-time job. Let me do more of this. So I go back to her. I'm like, hey, I want more gigs. She's like, cool. Because you're 6'4", you're so tall. You need to be really skinny because you're going to have to do runway. You're too tall to do commercial work where you get to be a little bit more muscular. I was like, okay, like, what does that mean? She's like, you got to go down to like 160, 170 pounds. I'm like, I'm 6'4". I'm I'm 240 pounds. (laughs) So I went back home. I went on Google and I'm like, what diets could allow me to get the skinniest, the fastest? Vegan showed up. Like vegans are skinny and weak. I was like, I don't care if I'm weak. I just need to get skinny. There's good money in that world. So ultimately, I went vegan the next day. Like I changed a dozen eggs for breakfast to, you know, it was a bowl of frozen blueberries, bananas, and dates. That was my first vegan breakfast over nine years ago. And I've been vegan ever since. And so your motivation was purely weight loss. But I believe from talking to you otherwise outside of this conversation that you have since adopted other reasons to do it as well. But at first, weight loss was your big motivating factor. Yeah, for sure. Fat loss and muscle loss. I needed to lose a lot of muscle, which is counterproductive (laughs) Uh, to what people want to do. 
That's a horrible message. You want to you want to lose muscle so you go vegan. That's a horrible message to send. Yes, no, um, you can be strong and athletic by being vegan. I that was my goal, right? I did everything to lose muscle. So I stopped strength training. I didn't focus on protein. I severely underate. I did a ton of cardio. I did everything I could to lose lean muscle mass. Ultimately, I could have done it without being vegan, right? I could have just not eaten protein, did a ton of cardio, stopped strength training. But I'm happy that I did because once I ate vegan, I went vegan. I was like, okay, like I understand that I don't consume animal products. But I was like, how do I, what do I eat? I didn't know about like quinoa and farro and things. Like, I didn't think about like oatmeal being vegan. There was no connection in my brain. So I started doing some research, watched Forked Over Knife, Forks Over Knife. And I was like, oh, okay, I can eat all of these foods. And then the connection with, with like heart disease and cancer kind of came into mind. And it just so happened that at that time, my grandfather got diagnosed with cancer. And I was seeing how he was eating and how he was living. And I was like, okay, I can make the connection now. Like if he wasn't eating this way, he wouldn't be where he's at. And then I became a hardcore activist trying to save all my families, my aunts, my uncles, my friends, my cousins. <laughs> like you got to go vegan. So yeah, ultimately that that sealed it in for me. Like that was the way to eat, to not be in the, the position of my grandfather. And then that got even more confirmed for me when my ex-partner, my ex-partner got diagnosed with cancer. Right. So you're now a vegan. You're becoming like a vegan advocate too, like not just for a temporary weight loss to get a gig mm -hmm. modeling, but you actually, you know, really believed in this. A at some point, you started thinking, this isn't just good for me. I don't want to just be like a personal trainer at a gym, but you started dreaming a lot bigger and you started thinking about starting your own company which has been wildly successful from an influencer. You know, most influencers don't really make much of what they're doing. Whereas yeah. you, you've been open about the fact that, you know, you're running a seven figure business, right? This isn't something where, you know, you had venture capital investors coming in here, like just through revenue generation alone, you're bringing in seven figures. So what happened? Like what happened for you that you thought, okay, I'm a personal trainer. Now I'm going to actually start something and, and have a bunch of clients who I'm going to help to, you know, basically have them pay me for information that will make their lives better. Yeah. So, you know, got let go of my corporate job going back to the initial story and then came home and I was like, man, like I, I can't work at a gym. I would work five jobs if I could to pay for cancer treatments, but I can't because everything's shut down in the world. So like, I'm just going to revert to selling programs online. And I didn't know how to do any of it. And eventually I found a mentor and it was, he, he changed my life. He's still my mentor to this day. I reached out to him. He was showing people how to make 10 K a month with fitness online. I was like, I need that. That's how much I'm spending in cancer treatment. I need that exact amount of money. And then I reach out to him and he tells me how much it is to work with him. And I remember I took a screenshot and I sent it to him and I have that number that I had in my bank account tattooed in my finger. I had $34 and 37 cents in my bank account. I was like, Vince, I got $34.37. I don't have money for rent. I don't have money for food. I'm eating at the food bank and I don't have money for cancer treatments. If I don't make money this month, I'm going to lose my plate. I'm going to lose my apartment. I'm going to lose everything. And so he's like, well, he's, I was like, can I pay you? And then kind of like, as I make money, give you more money. He's like, no. It's like, if you're really in this position, you're going to find a way. So for two days, I'm just like, man, like, what am I, where am I going to find the money to hire this guy? I was like, you know what? I got nothing to lose. I call my credit card. I'm like, hey. I'm trying to buy this thing. I need an extension on my credit card. Mind you, haven't paid them for months, been over the limit for months. The lady says, yes, I'll get the extension. I want to find this lady and give her, give her money because she changed my life. She, she said, yes, I got the extension. I was like, oh my God, great. I hang up. I call my, I call my mentor. I was like, hey, take the money before they change their mind. Charges my credit card. 
He gave me access to everything on how to build a business. I went to work. I worked 16 to 17 hours a day for 30 days straight. We made 10.3K our first month. That's our smallest month we've ever had since then. But that completely changed my life was getting someone that knew how to do it, that did all the stupid mistakes, which is why I love being a coach because I get to do that for the people that I coach. But that's originally how, how I got started. So what was it? I mean, what are the big secrets to running this type of a business? There's probably people who are listening to you who might be in the shoes that you were in and thinking, you know, I wouldn't mind making 10K a month or 100K a month, uh, but I don't know how to do it. And, you know, you're doing it in something in a way that is actually helping make the world a better place, right? Like helping people to be fit mm-hmm. while eat, eating a diet that's much better for the planet and animal welfare and for their own health too. How does one do it? Like, what are the big takeaways for you from how you've been able to build this successful business? Yeah. Well, just like any other business, you know, identify who your avatar is, identify what their pain points are, make sure you have the solution for it and then package the solution. And then, you know, at the beginning, price it very moderately, just so that you can get the ball rolling, you can get some feedback from your clients, and then just start telling people that that's what you're doing. Right? Because I'm of the belief that if I were to, I was to expose you to everyone, if I was to expose your business, Paul, to everyone in the world, it would be a billion dollar business. People just don't know you exist, right? That's the problem with businesses is leads and marketing. And you're trying to get eyeballs on your brand. So a lot of people like what you do. They just don't know you exist. So it's your job to tell them that you exist. So I'd say avatar problem, have the solution for it, package it, and then just start telling people. So what are the revenue streams? Like, what are the ways that you actually make money? So people come in and mm-hmm. they're going to say, you know, Maxim, I really want to lose fat, build muscle, run a triathlon, whatever the case is. What are, is it meal plans that you're giving them? Is it like, how, how do you actually make the money? Yeah, for sure. So, well, when I first started off is obviously it's a little bit different now, but I was doing the meal plan. I was doing the training plan. I was doing the accountability, all the one-on-one calls, all the group calls and everything. So I just packaged like what would be the perfect program for people to have the information that they need. That's fast, actionable, that's implementable, that's not too complex. And how can I hold them accountable to the best of my ability? And that's when I came in, okay, like we're going to have this many group calls per week. We're going to have this many touch points per week. They're going to have the ability to text me. Okay, I'm going to give them a meal plan. And if I need to make adjustments on a weekly basis, I will. I'm going to build them a new workout plan every single month because anything below than that, your body doesn't have a chance to adapt and become stronger. But anything more than that, you start to plateau a little bit. And so I package that. I'm like, oh, cool. How much do I want to charge for that at a three-month minimum? Because you don't have time to change too much in one month. So I started off with 90-day programs. And then I just originally, I think I was charging $420 Canadian for three months, um, which is is crazy to me now. But yeah, $420 for for three months. And then, yeah, just start with that. And I was like, hey, I'm doing it cheap, but I want your feedback. How can this be better? And like, well, if the workouts were like this or the videos were like this or the nutrition was like this. And then just throughout the years, I just kept making it better, better, better and better. And so it's basically personalized information and suggestions. That's the way the revenue comes. I think about, I think about my wife, Tony, who described on the show, she has so many different revenue streams from plant-based on a budget. There's cookbook sales, there's recipe plan sales, there's sponsored content on Instagram, there's sponsored content in the e-newsletter, there's ads on the podcast. It's like, you know, it's like an empire of all these different revenue streams such that if one of them goes away, you know, if like people stop using Instagram, she still has an e-newsletter, right? So Mm -hmm. do you have that type of multi-revenue stream? Or is it all coming basically from these personalized nutrition and workout plans? 
at this point, I have many, but I didn't up until one year ago. Because the thing is, like, for example, Tony has a great page, has a large following, way larger than mine. I'm on like 30,000 something. So to me, I couldn't play the low ticket, high volume game because I didn't have the following for it. So for me, I went straight to high ticket because if I could sell something for $2,000 and I was the one delivering it, that's pure profit to me, right? I could just, there was no expenses on that $2,000. So I started with high ticket. And then as we kind of grew the the brand and the name, then we started including a little bit more low ticket offers because we had the reputation and, and the volume for it at that point. Interesting. Cool. So let's get into the type of information that you might sell to people and you're going to give it to them for free right now. And we'll take me as the example. So this is the big benefit to business for good listeners here. So, you know, I've been vegan for 30 years and I I feel like I'm pretty fit. You know, I, I run, I lift. I'm not like any particular athlete. I see behind you, you have a multitude of medals from various championships that you've had in bodybuilding and in martial arts and, and racing and so on. You know, I'm, I'm no elite athlete, right? But I'm 44 years old and I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind losing some fat and gaining some muscle. So I have one of those scales. I have one of those scales that measures my body fat, whether it's accurate or not. I don't know. The scale is like $30, but it's, it's consistent. I do it every day and it doesn't wildly fluctuate. So I presume it must be either accurate or at least inaccurately accurate. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Inaccurately accurate. Thank you. Good point. So it tells me, you know, depending on when I do it, like what time of day and so on, like right now I'm at about like 13.8% body fat, right? Which, you know, not bad. Bad. I'm, That's not I'm bad. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. But, you know, let's say I tell you, Maxime, like, I'm willing to pay you to get a six pack. Tell me what I should do. Yeah, for sure. So, first thing we would have to, like, I would get you to track your food for a few days just so I have an idea of, like, how much food you're actually consuming, right? Because there's a the whole conversation of calorie in versus calorie out, which is very real, but you also want to focus on the quality of the foods that's coming into your body. But overall, calorie in versus calorie is very important. So, I'll get you to track your food for a few days just so I can see what your body is accustomed to. I would get you to write down a detailed list of the workouts that you've been doing on average for the past two months just so I can see what your body is used to. And then once I have that information, I can go and theoretically calculate where should Paul be at for his level of energy expenditure, for his age, for his height, for his weight. It's going to give me a theoretical number from there. I would compare it with the number that you gave me. So let's just say it says that you maintain your weight at 2,500 calories and you've been eating whatever, 3000 calories. Then I'm like, okay, well, we know why Paul has been putting on some weight over the past few months, right? <laughs> He's been overeating a little bit. So what I would do is I wouldn't even go in a deficit from 2500. I would just start you off at 2500 because just me putting you back at maintenance is going to make you lose some weight, right? I don't like to cut food unnecessarily if we don't have to. So just bring you to 2500. And then just for the sake of this example, how much do you weigh right now? This morning, I weighed 168 pounds. 168. Okay. So I like to do about 1.6 gram per kg of body weight for protein. So you'd be looking at about 122 grams of protein, right? So okay. if you do 122 grams, it's four calories per gram of protein. So you get a 488 calories that would be coming from protein. So minus your 2,500, you have about 2,012 calories that can come from carbs or fat, right? When it comes to shifting your body composition, the ratio of fat to carbs doesn't matter too much right? I prefer to eat lower fat just because I get to eat more higher volumes of foods of fruits and vegetables and grains and potatoes and things like that. But you roughly have about 2000 calories of carbs and fat and about 500 calories ish of, of protein from there, mm-hmm. right? We obviously we have that information would we'll get you to meet with Dr. Lori, 
So we would schedule your blood work, do your blood work, you do the consultation with her. She'd come back, be like, hey, does Paul have an iron deficiency, a magnesium deficiency? Is there anything that we need to know b- uh, about where his body is at so that we can tailor that to the meal plan? Once we have that information, we pass it off to the nutritionist. She's going to build you a lovely meal plan with recipes. So you just have to follow. It's like a recipe book, basically. Just open it and it says like, hey, one, this serving of oats and banana and blueberries and blah, blah, blah. And we make sure that all the micronutrients are taken care of to meet those deficiencies if there was any. And so, oh, go on. I'm sorry. Otherwise, I would say like once you have once you have the meal plan, you get two of them every single month because diversity is really important for your gut health. So you can't be consuming the same food over and over again. I know a lot of people like that because of simplicity, but in terms of like gut health, we need some diversity in there. So we give you two meal plans. It comes with a custom grocery list. It comes with a detailed recipe sheet that tells you exactly how to do it. All of our recipes are below 20 minutes, so they're really fast to make because we work with busy people like yourself. And then we would go and build your training plan. So at the base, again, we would identify where were you at before. So if you're doing four run workouts per week and two strength training session, at a minimum, I like to do strength training three times a week. Less than that, it's not enough of a stimulator and stressor on the muscle to require it to grow. It's just not enough. So I'd probably bring it out to three and I'd probably bring your cardio down to two. Because here's the thing about the body. It's a survival and adaptation machine, right? So whatever you were doing before is what your body's used to. So if before you're doing six sessions of two hours of cardio every day and you're eating 1,800 calories, well, guess what? We have to do less food and more exercise than that because that's what your body's used to, right? We have to create a stressor on top of it. So assuming that you're in a healthy position to start, that's kind of how we would get along. Every week we would have a check-in to be like, hey, how was this week? How was training? How was nutrition? How was your energy? How was your sex drive? How was every? How was your sleep? How was everything? And then on the monthly basis, then we would change your meal plan. We would change your workout plan, depending on how your body responded and how it shifted. Because if you lose five pounds, it changes everything, right? So it's fully customizable. (laughs) Nice. So pretty much, if you're really serious about this, like the goal that I stated, calorie counting is necessary. Now, you're saying you're going to do all the calorie counting for me, right? I'm not going to be the one. In the meal plan, yeah. So you got to just follow the recipes, and it's as if you're counting without having to count. Yeah, okay. So just in general not Mm -hmm. specifically tailored for me or any other person. Are there specific foods that you think people who are interested in plant-based eating should be eating more of or less of? Dark leafy greens and some soy. So some tofu, some tempeh, like just foods that are higher in protein. Because I think a lot of people get a bad experience when they transition to eating plant-based. They feel like a little bit weaker, less satiated, and then they feel like they're losing some some muscle mass. At least that's been my experience with talking to people that are trying to lose fat and improve their body composition and not seeing that great of results. Protein is important, not to the extent that bodybuilders frame it in the days of Arnold, where they're all, you know, on a lot of gears or steroids. If you're a natural athlete, your body can't absorb that much protein. But that 1.6 gram per kg of body weight range is a good spot to be at if you're looking to improve your body composition. If your goal is not to build lean muscle and lose fat, you're going to eat less than that and you'll be healthy and you'll be fine. It's just if the goal is a shift in body composition. Right. So soy, you mentioned, which of course is like the big controversial item because people all over, especially men say, oh, well, I don't want to eat soy because they have these preconceived notions. You, however, are advocating for soy. So tell me why. 
Uh, yeah, so it's actually really extremely beneficial for you. It's, it's great to reduce the risk of breast cancer uh, in women and prostate cancer in men. It's helped to strengthen the bone. It's helped to balance out your hormones. There's so many benefits of eating soy. Again, organic and non-GMO. Before I get <laughs> someone says something in the comments, organic and non-GMO soy, of course. Yeah, I, I've had interviews with Dr. Michael Greger, Dr. Clapper, Dr. Matthew Nagra, all of them are on board with on board with the soy conversation. There's a lot of benefits to it. Now the 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 main and Simon Hill as well had a convo with them about that. The main emphasis was like don't just consume soy, right? Diversity is important. It's also when it comes to your proteins. So we should have some beans, some chickpeas, some mushrooms, and things like that. Cool. So I, I eat a lot of soy every day for the last 30 years, probably. I've eaten either tofu or tempeh or edamame. I don't care at all whether it's organic or not. I just eat soy and I love it. I haven't had any problems so far. I'm cancer free. You know, I've lived about half a century yeah. and I've been okay. I haven't grown breasts yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just got um, my testosterone. I've been vegan for nine years. I got my testosterone check. I'm more than healthy and fine. Like if it was that bad for me, I, my testosterone would be really low because of the amount of soy I'm consuming too. Right. And, you know, you think about it like the cultures that are highest in soy, which are in Asia, generally have lower cancer rates than do cultures that don't eat much soy, which is, you know, pretty illustrative right there. So I'm glad that, you know, we can defend soy a little bit because I am a uh, a passionate believer in soy, not only because it's so good for you and it's so poorly, uh, it's so unfairly maligned, but even from a land sustainability point of view, like soy is a very productive crop. So it takes fewer acres to produce as much protein when you're growing soy than if you're growing other things, which are far less efficient at land use. And so, you know, really like moving away from soy, not only is unnecessarily unhelpful for us on a personal health issue, but it's also bad from an environmental perspective. So I'm a I'm a champion for soy, and I I don't miss an opportunity to advocate for it, as I will not do so here as well. So yeah, uh, I'm glad good. that I'm I'm glad you're on board. But so okay, everybody knows soy has protein. What are, if somebody wants to diversify, like you said, some of the foods you mentioned, like mushrooms, don't have that much protein. If you're eating mushrooms, like the fruiting body of fungi, mycoprotein obviously is different. But yeah, what are the foods that you recommend? So in addition to soy, you know, people are talking. You're telling me I should be eating 122 grams of protein a day. Yeah, it feels like a lot. So if I'm not going to eat all of that from soy, what should I be getting it from? Yeah, for sure. So like I always have a little bit of tofu or tempeh every single day. And then some like chickpeas, black beans or lentil, a lentil dish in there. Always some sprouted oatmeal as well. Like a cup of sprouted oatmeal is 18 grams of protein in there versus regular oats, which would only be like six or nine grams of protein in there. I have never heard of sprouted oatmeal before. So I presume somebody is sprouting these oats and then milling it into a flour or they're in stamping it into sheets like typical oats. Like what does it look like? Yeah, it just looks like regular oats. They have it at Costco. It's called one sprouted, I believe. But yeah, it's very okay. high protein content for just and a it, bowl of and oatmeal. The, and sprouting the oat doubles the amount of protein. That's what you're saying. Pretty much. Yeah, it's almost double the um, content per cup. Uh, amazing. Okay. I got to look into that. Interesting. Okay. So in addition to soy, you're saying legumes like lentils, sprouted oats, anything else? Anything. Obviously your grains are going to be very important in there. I, on a personal level, always have a protein smoothie every single day. So I'll have a little bit of protein powder in there. So I use a hemp based protein powder um, because hemp will probably be the closest thing to whole foods that you're going to get because how you make hemp protein is you cold press hemp seeds and then the meal that's left over is hemp protein and then the oil is hemp oil basically versus when you use like pea protein or some of these other protein there's like chemical compounds used to kind of isolate the protein out of it 
hemp is one of those most purest form ones. Again, a bowl of sprouted oats with some hemp seeds and some berries, you're probably going to have like 25 grams of protein right there, right? So that's a fifth of your protein intake for the day. If you have a full you know, a cup to a cup and a half of black beans or chickpeas for lunch with a bunch of vegetables and some grains, you're probably looking at another like 25 to kind of 30 grams there. You have a full block of tempeh for dinner. That's another 50 grams right there with a bunch of vegetables and some sweet potatoes. And if you make a protein smoothie, it's 20 to 30 grams of protein, depending on which one you use. And you throw some hemp seeds, some chia seeds in there, or you use some soy milk, you're above 122 grams of protein right there. Yeah. Okay. Helpful. So thank you. I appreciate that. So tell me how your life has changed. I mean, you know, you went from being on the verge of homelessness to eating at a food bank to now running a successful company. How many people work at the company? You've acquired other companies. You keep growing this empire. Like how big is, is Fit Vegan Coaching and what are your aspirations with it now? Yeah, for sure. We're maybe like a team of four or five for Fit Vegan right now. We've been able to keep it pr- pretty lean for, for Fit Vegan specifically. Yeah, my life's changed pretty drastically. Obviously, quality of life, like just being able to buy food <laughs> and not have to go to the food bank has been a game changer. I live in Los Angeles, which I used to live in Vancouver, Canada. And so this corporate company that I have in Canada allows me to live in the United States and skip winter. So I'm very excited to skip winter this year. <laughs> uh, so yeah. It's afforded me a different quality of life, that's for sure. But it's also allowed me to have like a much greater impact. Like I said, because I lost my ex-partner to cancer, I embarked on this mission. And I haven't said it yet, but it's it's to help 10,000 people get lean, thrive, and disease-proof their bodies on plants by 2033 and a million by 2050. The initial 2033 is... Sorry, go ahead. 10,000... Sounds like a lot, but in some respects, it just depends on how many people are participating. So how close are you to that? If you're saying by 2033, you want to help yeah. 10,000 people, like, are you halfway there? Are you a quarter of the way there? No, no, we're, I still got 10 years to go. And I would say with all the companies, we're over a thousand. Okay. And yeah. so, so your goal is to help 10,000 people, right? Which, you know, basically yeah. is, you know, the premise of the show, right? How are you going to make money by actually doing good in the world by helping others? And there's a very tight connection here between how much money you make and how much good you will do in the world. So what are, if you, if you think about those first thousand people who you have helped, give us one story of someone whose life is better as a result of this, like where you've actually done good that you know happened because of what you did for that person. Yeah. Oh man, I got, I got, I got to have like five that came up in my head. Can I, can I give you three? Because those are pretty good ones. You, 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 yeah, you do what you, you do you, Maxim. Okay. So the first one, I'm going to be biased, but it's my mom. My mom struggled with her weight her whole entire life. And when I was younger, I tried to weigh as much as her. I was trying to bulk up. <laughs> so I was trying to be as heavy as my mom. So she's about like, she's 5'9". She was 185 pounds approximately. And then so when I started, I was like, hey, mom, let me solve this problem for you. The only thing is you have to go vegan because I'm not including chicken or fish in a freaking meal plan. Like You got to go vegan. So she's like, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow through on it. Lost 54 pounds in nine months, has kept it off for three and a half years now, has a six pack at 58 <laughs> and is wow. in so, such a much better shape than my dad is working on my dad. He's one of the transformations I want. So that was my mom's transformation. Like her, her insurance costs for her health dropped down because her blood work came back so healthy because there's a thing in Quebec, Canada, where you can like pay depending on kind of like how your blood work comes back. So because she's so healthy, her costs went down. 
Another one was Matt. Let me, let me just first say, if, if your mom yeah. at 58 has a six-pack, I, I want some proof photographically, and we'll include it in the show notes for this episode at businessforgoodpodcast.com. Yeah. If you go to fitveganCoaching.com, my mom's photo is on there. There's even a video of me interviewing her and her working out, and you can see all the muscle fibers <laughs> in her arm and her shoulders. <laughs> okay. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Person number two. Yes. So Matt. So Matt, I can't remember his initial weight, but Matt was like, morbidly obese initially he dropped over 74 pounds and just got skin surgery recently to remove the excess skin from his weight loss but he just struggled with his weight his joints was inflamed his body was hurting he loved running but couldn't run because he was carrying so much weight and was hurting his knees and his ankles and then i just remember one day he came back in our group he was like hey guys i just ran a half marathon this weekend i was like what i was like like, did you sign up? He's like, just fun. I just, I was just running and I felt so good and I just kept going. And now he's running a bunch of half marathons. He still kept the weight off. Like there was like two years after having lost it now and he's still doing awesome. So it was great because I know that we added at least a decade to Matt's life, right? On the back end for having lost all that weight and for having transitioned to eating vegan and becoming healthier. Right. I mean, the longevity might be one thing. That's that's great. But the health span of somebody who went from being obese to being able to easily run a half marathon is, you know, pretty dramatic. Like the the quality of that person's life, regardless of how much longer they live, is is pretty important. Yeah. And then another one, I would say, I'll just pick Ariane. Uh, I, don't, I can only say it in French. But she came in. I think it was Ariane because she came in because she couldn't. Was it? Was it? Oh, yeah. oh, Sabrina. Sorry. Because we have a few fit vegan babies and I'll kind of explain what I mean by that. So a few, a few women that came into the program that weren't able to have babies, just uh, carrying a little bit too much weight, eating unhealthy. The body was in a, in a position to do so. And then they tried many multiple things and they weren't able to have a baby. Again, they didn't come in for that. They just came in to be healthy. I'm not saying that I can make women pregnant by coming into the program, but they got healthier, their body got aligned and ultimately they were able to have a child. So I said, we have like two, three fit vegan babies throughout the years from women that have come in and gotten healthier and were able to have a, a healthy pregnancy. Okay. So obviously, you know, people are meeting goals that they, that they have set for themselves and maybe some they didn't even set for themselves because of this information. Yeah. There are there are competitors, right? Like you're not the only person who is selling this type of information. Your yeah. strategy seems to have been to acquire your competitors, right? So tell me about that. Like at what point did you go from thinking, all right, well, fit vegan coaching is going to compete against these other folks to just buying them out. And what do you get by doing these acquisitions and who have you acquired? Yeah. So I, I know all my biggest competitors, they're all good friends of mine. But I it, it wasn't even about expanding the company. It was about expanding the impact. Because I realized, like I mentioned, 10,000 people by 2033 is a pretty big goal. That's a lot of people. And we keep track of it by who joins our program. So that's how I know how many lives we're impacting. I'm not doing the amount of impressions or followers that I have, like actual people that paid money to have access to information. That's how I keep tabs of it. So I just realized like 10,000 people, there's going to be people are going to be listening to this podcast and will be like, he looks too skinny. I don't want to be vegan and look like him or he talks funny and I can't resonate with him, and which is fine, right? I have to be me and I'm going to attract whoever I'm going to attract. But there's people that want to be vegan. I want to be super buff and super jacked. I got Brian Turner. Brian Turner is a famous vegan YouTuber, a good friend of mine. We built his business. When they look at him, they're like, damn, I want to look like him and being vegan. 
And so ultimately, I found different faces to the movement. So either it was coaches that were starting from the beginning and we built their business or people that currently had businesses that we came in to optimize them. So now we have like, I think, five or six companies under that umbrella that we're growing and scaling to kind of multiply our impact. Nice. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, I'll check out Brian. I don't think I know Brian, um, but I will, I will check out his, his info and see, see if, how inspirational it is. Yeah. So let me ask you, Maxim, like you've had a wild ride doing this. Like, you know, you've gone from essentially from poverty to wealth doing this yourself and you've helped a lot of people also improve their lives during it. It must be very fulfilling. I'm sure there are plenty of ideas though that you have that because you're too busy running fit vegan coaching that you wish existed in the world. So if somebody's listening to you and they're thinking, man, I'd really like to do something good myself. I just don't know what idea to have. What would you offer them? What free suggestion to a listener of Business for Good podcast would you give to start their own company that will do something good in the world? Yeah, I'll, I'll give too that if someone wants to start, I'll partner up with them. One of them is a, a AI-based fitness and nutrition and health app. Because right now, some of the apps that are out there, they're not that great, to be honest with you. So if there was a way for people to create like where the workouts can be created by AI, because ultimately I was on ChatGPT, you can create some crazy workouts on there. The only part that AI can't replace is the human touch, the accountability, right? If a robot check-ins with you, you're just like, "Ah, I don't need to answer this. I don't care. It's not actually really someone checking in on me. So there's a a way to connect like whoop and O-ring that when your recovery is under a certain level, it moves your workout to a separate day. Like that would be a really cool function. The other one is I discovered a company that does it in the United States, but doesn't in Canada or is not anywhere else in in Europe or anywhere else in the world. It's a whole food plant-based meal prep company that's oil-free. So I learned of one a few months ago and we partnered up with them for our members. So now we have packages where the food is included. So we'll deliver the food to your house that you're supposed to be eating. You don't even have to cook it or meal prep it. But they only do United States, which is great because a lot of our members are here, but they don't do it in Canada. They don't do it in Europe. So that would be mm-hmm. another great one because there's no, they literally have no competitors. Everyone else, ton of oil, ton of salt, a lot of fake meat in it. No one is like sticking to, to whole foods and like natural foods. Interesting. Okay. That is definitely an interesting idea. I, I'm surprised because you would think like Forks Over Knives would do something like that. I mean, they have their own branded like CPG frozen items that you can buy that I think fit that description. But there's not a meal service where you can just have things delivered like a purple carrot or, or something like that. So that's pretty yeah. interesting. Maybe somebody will want to, maybe somebody will want to do that. We'll see. That sounds yeah. pretty cool. It's a lot of work. <laughs> that's why I didn't jump into it. That's why I partnered with them. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, starting your own company is a lot, especially in your case where you're basically selling information. But when you actually are producing things made out of atoms that need to be produced and distributed and kept food safe, you know, it's it's really, really a, a, yeah, a beast. Which is why to, I stay with you know, online businesses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very little capital expenditure, capital expenditure needed for that. Cool. So let me ask you then finally, Maxim, you have done a lot. There's a lot of people who listen to your story who probably are thinking, wow, I really wish I could do something like him. Have there been resources that were helpful for you? You named one, which was a mentor, but mm-hmm. were there any other resources that have been useful, whether at the beginning or even during the journey for you, that you would recommend to others as something that they should check out? Yeah. Well, honestly, the biggest one was finding someone that did what I wanted to do and find a way to get around them. And so to me, it was paying 
to be around those people. Because I hear so often people don't want to start businesses and all that. They're like, just go and work for them for free. But at the end of the day, if they have a successful company, like you're just more of a headache than anything else. <laughs> if you're coming in to work for free, like they still have to deal with you, right? So it's it's a lot of those people that are at the stage of their life where they've had a lot of success and they're ready to give back, value their time. So they're going to charge you for it. But honestly, like if I was to go back to a, a 12-year-old, as soon as I started having money, I would just re-go and hire someone that's ahead of me that that did what I want to accomplish. That would be any book, any course I could ever take for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I, I often use the analogy of saying, you know, Hey, I want to be a really great soccer player. You don't first go out and buy a book on how to play soccer, right? You go and you talk to people who do play soccer. You learn to play soccer. You get on the field. You actually start kicking the ball around and you may start out making a lot of mistakes, but through actual work in the space and talking to people who are better than you and playing with people who are better than you, you'll become a good soccer player. And so while there are many books that I've read that I have found inspirational, there it's very rare that I read a book that is, you know, has really concrete information that I find actionable. Uh, I like reading, I I like reading from other successful entrepreneurs because I like just following their story because it's an inspiration to me, but how much information is it about the specifics and mechanics of starting or running a company? Oftentimes that that is found in the real world. Yeah. And and like, if I want to start a food company, I would get way more value out of paying you for an hour of your time than I would out of buying a book out of it. Because you would probably tell me stuff that would prevent me from making $100,000 mistakes, right? Which I wouldn't get from a book. I I might even tell you things that would prevent you from deciding to do it in the first place. To save even more money. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Well, I would happily give you an hour of time for free, Maxim. And I appreciate that you've given listeners of this show 45 minutes of time, including free suggestions. But if people want to get in touch with you, if people want to sign up and be one of those next nine out of 10,000 people, how can they do it? Yeah, for sure. Just heading over to fitvegancoaching.com. All the information is on there. You get a free call with our team of coaches just to see kind of like where you're at, what we need to change. And ultimately, we're going to help you build a game plan. And there's no strings attached on that call. At the end, if you decide that you want to work with us, great. If you don't want to, great. That's fine. We're here to help and we're here to support. Very good. Very good. Well, thousands of people will hear you saying that at least, and I hope that some of them will take you up on this and get a little bit fitter and do better in their lives too. And I will be taking up some of your suggestions that you gave on this in this conversation, Maxim. So I really appreciate all you're doing. Congratulations on your success. And I will look forward to continuing watching your empire grow and celebrating with you when you've helped that 10,000th person. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it useful. And if you did, please let the world know. Leave the show a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app and share the episode with your friends. Who knows? Maybe you'll inspire one of them to be in the business of doing good themselves.